Welcome to CruxCast. Whether you're in your car, at work, or at home, we hope you enjoy this interview. And if you do, you can find more like it on cruxinvestor.com. So please subscribe. We caught up earlier today with Tom Abraham James. He is the MD at Conoco. They're an ASX-listed explorer with assets in uh, Greenland and also uh, Australia. So we talked through the two core projects, uh, Ryberg and Mestersbeck. Um, thereafter, gold, copper, cobalt, zinc, and lead. Uh, and they also have nickel and cobalt project in Australia. So we talked through um, how they hope to advance those projects, a fairly early stage um, project. So the business plan is critical at this stage. They've got money in the bank to be able to deliver a drill program for this season. And let's see where they get to. If you want our thoughts and opinions on the company, the CEO, the conversation, um, you can find that at cruxinvestor.com forward slash club. We can also find detailed company reports and analysis. There's commentary from experts from around the world on a variety of commodities and companies. And there are training courses on there to help you with the diligence process. There are summaries of other interviews that we've done just to save you some time because you've told us you're busy. And if you want to join a thriving community of investors sharing their thoughts and ideas with each other in a nice, friendly, safe environment, free from trolling, judgment and abuse, uh, you can find that at cruxinvestor.com forward slash club. I hope you think that sounds nice because it is. Tom, how are you doing, sir? Oh, good morning, Matt. Very well, thank you. Greetings from Reykjavik in Iceland. Oh, very nice. Reykjavik in Iceland. I th- my, my kids have been. I haven't been. Is it a nice place? Oh, it's magnificent. It's been my uh, home away from home now for over a decade. So I've been partying in this, uh, working in this part of the world since 2008. And uh, it's one of the few uh, COVID green countries in Europe. So it's a, it's a magnificent place to be in and just across the ditch from Greenland as well. Gorgeous, gorgeous. So tell me this. Um, uh, you don't sound like you're a local, not even close. <laughs> no, I don't. <laughs> uh, my Icelandic leaves a, a lot to uh, to be wanted there. But uh, I'm from England and uh, educated in Australia. And then for the past 15 odd years, it's been uh, jumping between Europe and Africa and back to Australia and South America. So living the life of an exploration geologist. Oh, right. So that I was about to say, you know, what, what, what have you been doing? You've been bouncing around as an exploration geologist. Who have you worked with? Uh, so I started my career so in South Africa. So for my thesis for university, I went across to the Bushveld complex. I was working on the uh, the PGEs there. Uh, then afterwards, I started work with uh, Rio Tinto at uh, Argyle Diamonds. Uh, after about a year, I realized that the mining life was not for me, uh, that it was uh, I was a through and through explorationist. And uh, then I started working for Platina Resources, which is ASX uh, PGE exploration company. And uh, that was that took me all over the world looking for the, 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 the real the, the, the mandate of the company was to find platinum deposits outside of South Africa. And so I was very fortunate to uh, explore everywhere. And after begging and pleading, uh, they sent me to their project in Greenland in 2008. And uh, that's uh, when I started uh, my uh, love affair with Greenland. Fantastic, I certainly have. Right, well, we better start off with that one minute, obligatory one minute overview of the company and then I'll pick it up with some questions. Okay, so Conoco Limited, uh, we're a dedicated exploration company. Uh, We really have a geographical focus on the east coast of Greenland, uh, but we also have a project in Australia, which is for nickel and cobalt. Uh, so for us, we started off uh, on the East Coast looking for magmatic sulfides. So our flagship project is the Ryberg project, which is co- uh, copper, nickel, uh, palladium, cobalt, gold. And, uh, and then we've grown that portfolio since. So through exploration, we found a gold project, which is Sorty Cap, and then we acquired the uh, Mestersvig lead zinc project uh, to the north as well. Okay, nice overview. Mestersvig, that's how we pronounce it. Good. 
That wasn't <laughs> wasn't how I was going to pronounce it. Um, <laughs> right. So let, let, let's start. Let's start with what it is that you're trying to do there. I mean, you've got a, a small. It's a relatively small story. Twenty two million Aussie. Um, and I guess new to a lot of people as well. So what is it that you're trying to be, first of all? We're trying to be the one that discovers the next big magmatic sulfide project. So once again, this is Rydberg. So we've uh, got a first mover approach in this location in East Greenland. It's got four and a half thousand square kilometers. And what we're trying to identify is something large. Uh, so by large, I mean uh, high tonnage, high grade. I mean, the, uh, what everybody's uh, really looking for, but uh, in a location that hasn't seen any systematic exploration. Uh, the first explorers that were there, and roughly about the 1980s, uh, they identified the mineralization, but they had about another 20 projects which they were looking at. And so it was really, uh, I guess, neglected. And uh, when I first went to Greenland in 2008 and walked across this particular location, I was blown away by the mineralization that's the surface. Uh, and it was extremely compelling, large globular sulfides staring at you. And uh, so uh, with that, we've uh, I, I started up uh, a company called Longland Resources. Uh, this is in 2017. So I guess the history of it is, is that I went there in 2008 uh, we're working on a particular project uh, called Scareguard, which is a uh, palladium and gold resource. And uh, I was very fortunate to be given a 150 uh, square kilometer radius, or 150 kilometer radius around that project to find something new. And that's when I uh, went into Ryberg and uh, found uh, the mineralization there. Uh, then really dug into the, uh, the, the geochemistry of it all and then found some uh, historic geophysics that had been done, some electromag. And uh, it didn't look terribly compelling, but uh, I didn't quite believe the data uh, because you're seeing this mineralization at surface. So why does the geophysics tell us that uh, nothing's there? Uh, so I got the data reinterpreted and it turned out that the data had been incorrectly acquired, uh, that it was effectively noise. And I was ecstatic at that point uh, because then it brought that area back to life. Uh, so with the company I was working for at the time, uh, they didn't wish to pursue that. Uh, they then started focusing on a different project, at which point I then found it was uh, opportune to, uh, to, to leave the company and then to go across and to uh, start up my uh, own company, Longland Resources, and that was acquired by Conoco last year in October. Uh, so I was very pleased with that. They saw, what, uh, uh, they saw the potential that I saw of that particular project, and uh, we've since done some additional work in the form of geophysics, uh, more geochemistry, and then this year we're going out and drilling it. And so it's, uh, it's, it's very exciting. And uh, the, uh, the geological story is very compelling as well. Yeah, um, and we'll get into that in a second. So let, let's deal with probably one of the first questions you're always asked, which it's Greenland. Um, people have you know, pictures of polar bears in their mind and you know, the, the, the whole kind of green thematic, um, very much very conscious of it. So. Are you, do you struggle to get people to actually pay attention to this story? Because we've interviewed about it, maybe a handful of people trying to mine in country, and they've you know varying degrees of success. What what are the what are you seeing when you're working there? Uh, I'm seeing that uh, the, the the number of companies that are exploring in Greenland has increased. Are you starting to get some of the major players there as well? So the largest license holder in Greenland is now Anglo American. Uh, that's just recent. Uh, we've then got, uh, we're now the third largest license holder in Greenland, so I'm very pleased with that. Uh, so you're seeing people go out and doing, uh, instead of going to known projects, you're seeing now people going out with conceptual projects, taking out large license areas like we are. 
And uh, so uh, I think that uh, Greenland's definitely uh, undoubtedly got large resources there that have been discovered, but uh, each one has come with its own challenges, I think it's fair to say. So either there's ice conditions that are to be dealt with or being close by to communities. Uh, for us, with our focus on East Greenland, we've really looked to address that uh, with the geogra geographical positioning because there is no uh, population center where we are. Uh, the nearest people to us are actually abroad in Iceland. Uh, so we don't have that, uh, I guess, social impact. And from my point of view, mining operations, uh, they're, they're typically in remote locations. They are away and for good reason. Uh, so we've taken that into account. Uh, with our Ryberg project, uh, also in terms of the uh, environmental side of things, uh, we're not in a national park, we're not in an area of environmental significance, uh, so we don't have those issues. Uh, our footprint for exploration is also very small. So, for instance, this year for accommodation, we're using a vessel uh, to come in and out, uh, so we're not leaving any permanent uh, footprint there. Um, so all these things are being addressed and then also looking at opportunities for, uh, well, should everything go according to plan, uh, energy. Uh, so how do we get a mining operation off the ground? Uh, there's uh, having, being right next door to Iceland comes with significant advantages as well. Uh, we know that uh, the, the, the large aluminium smelters are there, there's three, uh, due to their abundance of green energy and perhaps that may play a role in the future as well. But what about the infrastructure there in terms in terms of roads and accessibility? I know you're used to working remotely, and, you know, and mm. maybe as you say, you're, you're very well looking here. You're very close to um, um, Iceland for sure. But you still need to when you're when you're on site, you're still going to need some basic things like like rudimentary mm. energy if you're going to be starting drilling. I mean, what's that? What, what are you going to be using there? Uh, so for that, we're going back to uh, good old fuel. So Jet A1 uh, we use, it's uh, Arctic diesel. Uh, so uh, we bring in our aviation fuel for the helicopters. Uh, we can use that for them for the drill rigs. Uh, everything's heli portable. Uh, but another emphasis that we've had is to reduce our reliance on helicopters also. Uh, so with that, we, uh, we've identified that this year we can use uh, ATVs to get to site as well, and also skid-mounted or, or tracked drill rigs. So we have those going in this year. So the hope is that our reliance on helicopters will be greatly reduced and therefore reduce the drilling cost as well. Um, otherwise, we've got uh, an abundance of uh, fresh water where we are. Um, there's, uh, there's plenty of aggregate material. Uh, there's an airstrip that's there as well. So you've got quite a large flat area. We've got uh, deep water fjords that are protected. Uh, so you've got the key ingredients, but uh, as far as existing infrastructure is, that does not exist. Um, even to the point that uh, with uh, data for doing uh, geological research, uh, there is no regional geophysics where we are. And uh, that was, it, it comes with its own difficulties, but also created the opportunity. Uh, if all that data was pre-existing, then we may have been beaten by somebody else to get to this location. So we're, we're putting a lot of investment in to provide, well, regional data sets this year. It'll be the first time that geophysics has ever been flown. So uh, there's, there's pros and cons of being remote. Yeah, there is. And if I look at some of the Canadian companies we've interviewed, perhaps, you know, for much further to the north, and people worry about the eventual cost of, you know, mining operations there. And that's a part of the consideration for whether or not they invest. So you, you, talk, you talked about looking to Greenland to some of these aluminium smelters and some of the solutions there. But so what, what sorts of things are you thinking about or imagining? 
Uh, I'm imagining with our proximity and the increased uh, collaboration between Iceland and Greenland that quite potentially we'd be looking at doing uh, minimal infrastructure in Greenland itself and then doing the processing uh, in Iceland. Uh, that's one option that could be explored. Uh, then also for the for workforce as well. So obviously we'd be looking to employ Greenlanders, but then also get the Icelanders involved as well. Uh, so obviously a highly skilled workforce. And also the, the workforce in Greenland is, is coming on leaps and bounds. They've got the, the mining school that's there now, which is very well funded. Uh, so I think that in terms of the personnel, we don't need to look further afield than uh, where we are at the moment, uh, definitely. And what about seasonality? How, how does that impact your ability to do, to do work now and moving forward when you get into development, when companies you know, try to get into production? Does that, will that affect things greatly, costs or ability to actually do any work? Uh, the limiting factor now is uh, is this year we're embarking on a larger field season. And so the limiting factor is energy is bringing in the fuel. Uh, so we're looking at uh, the window to bring in. So that starts in June. Uh, the reason we're doing it in June is that's when you can get in without a nice class vessel. Uh, you can get in with a standard vessel. Uh, so that will be coming in in June. We can then work through to the end of September. Uh, so should the fuel be there already, and uh, that's what we're going to be doing for next year, is we'll bring in excess fuel this year. So then we can start much earlier. So we'll be looking then at April. Uh, so leave the drill rigs on site, uh, have the fuel there. We can then just fly in on the airstrip that I mentioned and then get straight down to work. So it's quite a long field season, uh, April through to October. Uh, and then the reason that we don't go into the, the winter months is, is actually not because it's uh, too cold uh, or too much snow. It's, it's really because of the daylight hours. Uh, that's the biggest limiting factor. So uh, that's uh, during the summertime with 24 hours daylight, uh, we go like the blazes during that period of time and drill as much as possible. Um, but uh, then with a mining operation, uh, then it's quite different. Uh, so then we'd be looking at uh, 365 days a year operation. Uh, and it's not just because we believe it's possible, it's because we know it's possible. So our Mestersvig project uh, up further to the north, which is 72 degrees north, uh, that particular project uh, used to be, well, it was, it was East Greenland, Greenland's only mining operation, and that operated for 11 months a year in the 1950s. Now, uh, if they could do it then, uh, then I think we'd probably add the extra month uh, with the technology that we have now. Fantastic. Okay. Look, um, and one final thing, just in terms of the jurisdiction component, there's an election coming up. Um, which may or may not hinder your ability to get permits and licenses in a timely fashion. So what, what's happening there at the moment? What do you know? Yeah, this is there's an election on the 6th of April, and uh, this was really uh, precipitated by the, uh, uh, well, the rare earth element project in South Greenland and uh, with the, uh, you know, associated difficulties with that project. And uh, so uh, with that one, uh, the outcome of the election is not known, uh, but uh, I think that uh, from the discussions I've had in Greenland and uh, with other uh, parties that operate there, is that it is unlikely that uh, that will have an effect on other uh, mineral exploration in the country. Uh, however, uh, uranium down south in, a, in an agricultural area nearby to a town, uh, I think it's not just Greenland that would have a problem with that. I think any country uh, may possibly question that. Uh, so once again, for us, we're benefiting from our remoteness uh, that uh, we wouldn't be impacting uh, or have those issues, uh, so to speak. And, and also, we don't have a radioactive product. Right. Okay. Thanks for that. That's your section. Um, let's talk about this. This is a new frontier, high perspective. <laughs> Some of the indicative grades that you were talking about in your, in your presentation, very, very interesting indeed. So. Let's let's talk about where you're at with 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 both projects and how you advance that. You talk you're going to be doing some drilling. Where's the money coming mm -hmm. from? 
Uh, we've already got some money in the bank now. So we did a, a raise uh, not long ago. So we've got, uh, was it just shy of 4 million in the bank at the moment? Uh, so we've started signing contracts. We've got the drill contract uh, away. Uh, a couple more will come through this week. Uh, so then we'll have all the key items in place. Uh, so, so with it, the, the main focus will be on the, the Ryberg project. Uh, that really is, uh, is it's the big one. It's got the most potential. Uh, and uh, and then with uh, Mestersvig, actually, we've just increased the, uh, the was, this is uh, Mestersvig being further to the north. With that one, we've just increased the, the license area. Uh, we started off with about 180 square kilometers. Uh, we're now at uh, 1,800. Uh, so last year, uh, we saw something there that was very much of interest. And, uh, and that is uh, vastly unexplored uh, large intrusion. Uh, with that, there's uh, there's known rare earth elements there as well. So the mineral xenotimes being recorded, uh, a few other bits and pieces, highly prospective geology. Uh, and once again, no, no real work's been done apart from those surface samples. So uh, I think it's fair to say that we'll have a look at that. Okay, so you got some money in the bank. Can we talk about Ryberg? How do you, as an exploration geologist, or was the company leading the company, go about building out, usual CEO phrase, value for shareholders, uh, and actually, tell us tell us why um, you're going you're doing it that way, if you don't mind. So, really interested in the thinking. Yeah, sure. Okay, so this, uh, if you uh, forgive me, I'm going to delve into a little bit of geology now. Uh, but uh, really, what it is, it's just a, a fascinating location. Is that uh, if you look at say, uh, and it, a lot of people looking for magmatic sulfides, then start to quote uh, Nerill score, Sudbury, or some of these famous. Uh, big uh, large systems there, uh, but for us it's difficult to uh, to avoid talking about Nerilsk because the geological setting is incredibly similar. So back in 2008, when I first went to that location, uh, what we saw was these large sulfides at surface. We know that the grades of those are quite good, and uh, so we've reported 2.2% copper, 3.3 grams palladium. Uh, but it's also to, uh, these are not just the pure sulfide that is uh, been diluted by the uh, the host rock which is around them. So we've done some work on the the, the tenors of the sulfides themselves. Uh, they're higher grade again than what we've uh, reported. Uh, but uh, we're looking for a large system. So if you could picture, so this area it used to be. Um, you know, it's one of the largest volcanic events in Earth's history. So the, the sheer amount of volcanic activity there, you're getting nine kilometer vertical thick piles of basalt. So this is very much like to say the Siberian traps, the Deccan traps, these, one of these huge events in Earth's history. And uh, it's a bit of a Goldilocks zone where we are. So I mentioned that nine kilometer thick pile. Where Ryberg is, that pile has been eroded away. So you get to see what's underneath it. And uh, so when you're walking through, it's, it's a fascinating location because there's a, a sedimentary basin there. So there you are in Greenland, uh, you, you see ice off in the distance, and then you look down and you can see all of these uh, almost tropical plants there, fossils uh, that are in the rock. Uh, but then you've got all the plumbing systems that feed uh, these basalts. So very large sill and dike complexes. In English, so you better do it. you've got to do it in English. You're getting excited. <laughs> A geologist might Sorry. get excited. Why, why do investors get excited? Why do investors? Because you've got the ingredients there. So the sedimentary basin's got your sulfur. So what happens is all this uh, huge amount of magnetism goes through. It then starts, you get an oil and water effect with the lava. So what happens then is that you start to get a sulfur, a pure sulfide uh, liquid segregates, a sulfide satur uh, saturation. And in that you get all your metals there, your precious metals, your base metals. And uh, and it's, it's in an immiscible liquid. And so then we know we've seen that at surface. And now what we're looking at is uh, uh, a concentration of this material at depth, so a large volume of it. 
And so this is why in the past 2017 and then last year, we went out and did electromagnetics, which is a very standard procedure for exploring for this type of sulfide. And uh, if you get a large pocket of sulfides there, fingers crossed, it then flashes up and you get a, a very nice anomaly. Now we got that last year. Well, actually we got it in 2017. We then followed up on it last year. It confirmed it with two different survey types. And what we're seeing there is uh, what looks like a, a conduit, which is uh, about 160 meters under the ground, a conduit, which is flashing up with a, uh, with a, a, an electromagnetic anomaly. And on top of that, you're getting these large blobs of sulfide containing decent grade. So from an investor standpoint, uh, it's really is now, we go from a couple of rock chips surface to then a drill hole going down for the first time, that will be in July this year. And should we hit what we think is there, uh, then we could be onto something quite large. And that is 1% of our entire license area. We have 4,500 square kilometers. We're looking at a very small part. So that's why we're now looking to, to broaden with the geophysics, blanket the entire area, drill this area, uh, and then expand from that. And so we're not looking at a, a small project. We're really looking at opening up potentially a province here. Okay. Thank you. Um, yes, always good to put it in, the, in, in a context that the kind of so what factor for investors, which is you talked at the beginning about looking for large scale projects, right? And, you know, drilling is easily converted into something that people can do comps with, or, you know, do comparisons with, with peers uh, against. Um, Four million bucks isn't a lot of cash. So you've got to spend that wisely, right? You've got to be really, really focused. So, um, Masters League is something that you're, you're going to be looking at, but you're not going to spend a lot of time and money on. And even Ryberg, it's a, it's a big land package. So what precisely do you think you're going to be able to, um, talk to the market about? What are you, what are you hunting for? What's going to get them excited? Cause you've got to get this balance between good, nice headlines, which people understand. Mm -hmm. And good geology. And how, how do you do that? Uh, the way that we do that is really that where we'll be drilling initially, uh, it's got the best chance of success. Uh, so from that particular location, uh, we, we think that should we hit what we hope we will, then we'll expand upon that. Uh, we'll as quickly as possible be drilling that out uh, to see if it's uh, this year, quite possibly, see if we could, the dream would be to get a, a maiden resource in that location. Uh, and then put all our effort into that. Uh, the other thing is, is that we have a, a second drill target area, which is a little bit further to the north in the same package. Uh, this is the Sorty Cap prospect. Uh, this is a discovery that was made by pure chance. Uh, very happy with it, but this is a gold project as well. And so that's just a little bit further along. So we've got a significant IP anomaly there and, uh, and uh, graded surface as well. So really the intention would be this year from an investor standpoint, if all goes well, two discoveries are uh, well proven uh, and made, and then we'll, we'll do our level best to then drill it out as much as possible so we can have an, a feel for what the size of the prize would be. So what are you seeing in the marketplace at the moment? Because obviously there's a lot of gold stories out there. And this mm -hmm. is a good story. I think you compare it to like the Greenstone Belt, so it's your two, three gram per ton type level. But gold's kind of come off a bit. Some of the other elements that you're talking about, nickel and the copper and the cobalt, they're gaining a, uh, attention. So does that um, affect your decision making as to how you progress with this project? 
Yeah, it does. Look, for us, uh, the focus is definitely on Rydberg. It's definitely on the magmatic sulfides, the copper and nickel, uh, for sure. So, And with those as well, they come with precious metals uh, as well. Uh, so, uh, you know, there's a whole basket there that would come with it. So the focus and and uh, the, the prize is is that magmatic sulfide occurrence, most definitely. Right. And and this about the rest of this year then. You've got your four million bucks is going to last you how long? Uh, the $4 million will get us through this season. So uh, should we uh, hit something uh, magnificent, uh, then we may well be saying, okay, what else can we throw at it this year? Uh, that may come with, a, obviously, a, a requirement for additional cash, uh, but that would be a, a very nice problem to have. Uh, so it will be based on success this year. Right, okay. And again, coming back to the earlier question of you know what type of company are you, that you're an exploration company which feels comfortable moving into development, and you're also very comfortable with raising cash? Yeah, look, we're comfortable with raising cash. We've got a good team uh, for doing that, good track record. Uh, but uh, with the development side of things, who knows? I think that we are very good at doing exploration, uh, but do we want to be the one to go into development? Uh, I'm not sure that that's what our investor base is there for. I think they're there for us to make a success and uh, and then move on. So we're, we're explorers, uh, we're not miners. So I think it's important that we're aware of our skill sets and uh, stick with that. It's a small team of people, and I think us going and pretending to be a mining company is not the way forward, is that we create value by making a discovery and then moving on to the next one and okay. the shareholders benefiting from that. Okay, well, I you know, appreciate that because people do need to know what they're kind of walking into, what they would be investing into, and I guess you know, the leverage is there through the drill bit if you, if you guys hit. Um, how long do you envisage spending on this before you would want to have conversations with uh, other groups about getting involved in, in whatever shape or form that may be? We've received some interest from larger groups. Uh, we uh, have not proceeded with any of those, uh, only because at the moment for a modest sum of cash, as you've identified, uh, we can actually get to create a lot of value uh, from that. Uh, so I'd be saying that uh, there would be no discussions entertained, or at least certainly for uh, until this season has been completed. After that, we can then assess, uh, should it uh, all go as planned? Um, we'll see, but no, uh, no immediate uh, uh, plans for that. Okay, so but at, at some point there's going to be some kind of earning type structures or JV type structures whilst you go and explore, well, I guess a master's big, uh, or are you going to be um, trying to get a hold of more prospective land while you're there? I was like, I will consolidate more property. Well, I think, to be honest, I think we've consolidated everything that we wish to. Uh, I think that our land package now, it covers uh, all the areas of interest. Uh, so I've got not, no concerns about uh, having missed anything. Uh, so we do have uh, a sizable land package, that's for sure. Uh, so we could, uh, yeah, I mean, this this year we'd, we'd be drilling, as I say, only 1% of the total license package. Uh, the rest of it remains open. So I, I think it would be uh, folly to run off and do something before having adequately looked at the rest of the uh, the area uh, before uh, you know, giving it away. Interesting. Very interesting. Well, look, Tom, I appreciate you coming and telling us that story. Um, not, lovely new story. Um, sounds, sounds like, obviously, you know the uh, you, you know the Greenland um, jurisdiction reasonably well. You know how to operate there. Um, I'm intrigued to see what you can do this year. I mean, do come back on and let us know how you get on, certainly with the drilling component. 
Oh, it's been a pleasure, Matt. Thanks very much for having me. And uh, I think the key takeaway points are here is that uh, with Ryberg, East Greenland, is that uh, first movers, frontier environment, we're going to be drilling this year, first time it's been drilled, and it's all about the copper, the nickel, the palladium. Uh, then we've got other projects there as well. So we've got Mestersvig, so we've got the, the rare earth elements there, we've got the other base metals, we've got gold at Saucy Cap, and then I have even touched on uh, our project in Australia, which is uh, Mount Thirsty, uh, Cobalt and Nickel, uh, it's one of Australia's most advanced projects, and uh, there, it's uh, with the prices of the cobalt at the moment going up, it creates all sorts of interesting options. So I think there's a lot of upside for investors, and you know, not a one-trick pony. Thank you for listening. If you've enjoyed the interview, why not subscribe to Cruxcast or our website cruxinvestor.com, and of course our YouTube channel Crux Investor. Plus, you can catch us most days on Twitter and LinkedIn. We really love getting your feedback, so please keep it coming, and we'll speak to you again soon.